everybody, to the Super Darius by the Super Show. I mean, I was going to do guys and dolls. It seemed more appropriate. Guys and dolls? Yeah, guys and dolls. I didn't realize that was song was called Guys and Dolls. What's the like Looney Tunes one? This is it. We'll hit the heights, and all the heights will head on with the show. This is it. It's like overture. Tonight's the night. It was like one of the segments. It was like the start of like a block of them in like the eighties. I remember that. It sounded like a Muppet Show thing. No, it would start with Daffy and Bugs, like, singing in tuxes, and eventually Bugs would just start fucking Daffy over. That's usually how they tend to go. Uh, guys, it's going to be the Oscar podcast. Before we get into anything, though, I want to give a quick heads up that I'm currently not feeling particularly well, so if you hear some coughing, or if I seem a little low energy, just know that I'm currently doing this with a headache then. And because this is the Oscar podcast, that means two main things. One means this podcast is mostly going to be about the Oscars, so... I'm sure there'll be some tangential stuff, some more Looney Tune riffs if you're really into it. Uh, but if you're not interested in that, just be warned. And secondly, obviously spoilers. We're going to be talking about pretty much every Oscar movie, at least all the ones that we've seen for mm-hmm. the Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress. So if you are worried about spoilers for any of them, like terrified of it, go see the movie you're worried about and then come back and listen to this. Because I can't guarantee that it's going to go perfectly like, well, you we definitely won't spoil Bohemian Rhapsody. Michael B. Jordan dies. <laughs> I'm like, oh dear. That was... They're like, in Creed? I'm <laughs> like, well, in a lot of things, really. He's in the hospital. <laughs> Fahrenheit 411, probably. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't watch it. I heard it was terrible. I don't remember if he died in it. It wasn't very good. Yeah, which is a shame, because Michael Shannon and Michael B. Jordan sound like a dream made in heaven, but... <laughs> oh, I was like, why is this not a comedy? Like a Chris Farley, David Spade road romp? I'm really shocked. Maybe it's because he doesn't want to do it, but why there hasn't been like a hilarious, like odd couple-like movie about, like, some wacky person who has to get paired up with him. Like a Chris Hemsworth, Michael Shannon, like, buddy cop Vehicle. movie. yeah. Um, just like, oh, this one dude's very silly, and then the other guy's just like a sociopath walking around, terrifying everyone. He gets enough work I could see, and he's an eccentric enough that I could see him not, I could see him, like, not being interested in something like that at this stage. It's very possible. I mean, he, you know, Academy Award-nominated actor last year, so... Yeah, and he'll win one... At some point, for either something very we- uh, either a very weird character or like one they try to make like heartwarming, or I'll be curious to see a heartwarming character because I, I can't think of a role I've seen him in where he's a likable person per se. Not that he's unlikable, but nothing's like ever heartwarming. He's never like the dude in a romantic comedy. Who you're like, oh, I hope it all works out for him. No, but uh, yeah, so much of that is just based on his uh, horrendous appearance. Uh, <laughs> his horrendous horrific... seems harsh. Well, his... he's probably he, he's probably a goddamn Casanova in comparison to us. Intense, I would say. Intense, <laughs> Intense looks about word. him. Yeah, absolutely. So the way this works is we're going to be going through the Oscar picks one by one again: best uh, picture, best actor, best actress. Uh, and we won't know who won on this one. No. So the way it'll work is we're doing all those. And then at the end, we're going to vote for who we think wins those three categories, but they can only be movies that... We can only pick people for movies that we've seen, mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, and if for some reason we both tie in everything, then we'll just go down to whoever has seen the most of them. So, uh, I want to save a possibility of maybe changing the punishment at the end to something even worse, but we'll, we'll save that till the end. What what could be worse than... Oh, the Holmes and Watson. Holmes and Watson. Holmes and Watson. I really don't think Happy Time Murders is that bad. It's it's pretty boring, but... Gotti. Gotti might be bad. It <laughs> might be more insulting to you since you probably love Goodfellas, though. 
Yeah, I, like most men. Like most men, I love a good mafia movie, but a bad one is almost reprehensible. It's almost a crime. But from what I understand, this is just Godfather. God, he is. It's just like almost trying to shot for shot remake Godfather. That's weird because he doesn't have a Vito Corleone backstory. He just no, fucked over they... everyone he could the entire way up. Yeah, but uh, anyway, it's all hustle, no loyalty. <laughs> a little respect. The John Cena three. A little bit. Just he has to kiss a few asses before he becomes boss. So I can't wait to see a twenty-two-year-old John Travolta working his way up to the Gambino family. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if there's any kind of technology to it. And of course. That's the low of one kind of digital startup company putting a movie out there, and then the other high one is Roma being nominated for Best Picture this year. So, yeah. fuck you, Movie Pass. Eat a dick. <laughs> Eat a dick. Take that. Boosh. <laughs> Roasted. All right. Do you want to? Do you want to pick the first one? Sure. Just reach in there. Black Klansman being nominated for Best Picture. I don't not. For, no. There's uh, Best uh, Support. Uh, Adam uh, Driver's up for Best uh, Supporting. If it, but. if it has Best Supporting Actor, uh, or Best okay. Actor, or Actress, it'll uh, be on there. Yep. This is just for Best Picture. Did you see it? Yeah, I liked it. I expected to like it a little more. I thought going into it was going to be like my favorite, like my three billboards, mm-hmm. like was last year, and I only kind of thought it was pretty good. I liked it a lot. I was surprised by it. Um, there's a lot of movies in the list this year that have to deal with race. I heard even quite a few that kind of got dropped out, and... I like that this one is definitely very cutting. It had a weird tone at the start of it. I thought it was maybe going to be a sillier movie at the start, because it seemed like the dickhead cop, like, asks for a file, and then after he leaves, he starts karate chopping the air. Yeah. And I know there's definitely, like, some black exploitation love and, like, allusions to the to the characters in it, but I wasn't sure. It really isn't that silly going forward. The villains are pretty silly, except for their plan, finally. They're yeah. dumb, but yeah, they, they, I mean, obviously, it's, it's a movie that... Uh, does have a, a rather significant, poignant point to make right now, which is, even though these guys are idiots, they are still dangerous. They do still yeah. have a bomb that they use uh, at the end of the movie. I enjoyed this one a lot. Um, I was blown away that Steve Buscemi had a brother, because I yeah. sat the entire time, I was like, did they? could they not get Steve Buscemi, but they found the exact that's closest what I, opposite? That's exactly what I assumed it was, too. Like, Steve Buscemi couldn't have been too busy doing a cameo in an Adam Sandler movie. Like, why would you pass this like up a, to work with Spike Lee? Like a quadrary character at that point. He's not like a major character in his yeah. match. Uh, until I looked it up online, I was like, oh, Buscemi, okay. So yeah. I don't know if he's, he must be younger, but. Um, yeah, can you imagine like living in Steve Buscemi's shadow in the family? Th- it's. And I'm going to sh- be in a small pot in two whole movies this year. How infuriating would it be, though? If that was Steve Buscemi's brother and he was gorgeous and had like a perfect voice, like it was almost Brad Pitt. And oh, he's like, like singing. And- you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> what happened to? <laughs> like, it almost seems cruel that tap dances into the scene. They're both very like odd, weird looking dudes with the exact same kind of super shrill voice. How crazy would it be if like the dad was just gorgeous and he just found some gargoyle oh, of a yeah. woman? And he just like fucked a trash. Bag. Well, they'll put a trash bag. Well, it'll probably even out our looks amongst our kids. Certainly, <laughs> and there's like a spectrum like that's going back and forth to determine the genetic lottery. They just, just have just one, lands on wet fish. One drop dead gorgeous sister. <laughs> yeah, and they both look like wall-eyed pikes. Yeah, it'd be a very strange scenario in that case. Um, but the big thing with Black Klansman that I liked. Um, it has maybe the hardest hitting ending of any of the movies on the list that I saw. Um, oh, the Charlotte. I mean, it's not surprising, but mm. it's 
a very poignant way to transition into it when you see these guys. You're like, these guys are complete idiots. Mm-hmm. But like when you you're watching them watch Birth of a Nation, and it's like the the wife is just saying, "String him up, string him up," and then you transition that just immediately into like blood and soil from the Charlottesville thing. It does put it into a different context. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the lead actor in it a lot. Stenzel Washington's son. Is it? Yeah. Wow. Does he keep the last name? Yeah, it is okay. something Washington. Okay. Because I thought I remember it being something a little different, but... Uh, I think it's like a very African name, Jesus. but it's... Denzel Washington still looks great, and he has like a kid that's already like that attractive and handsome. Mm-hmm. Maybe like the the black Tom Brady. Yeah. Just perfect. Eat Pretty your heart out. Eat your heart out. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I liked it a lot. I, I was... Uh, in the comparison, the big two like racially driven movies this year is Green Book and Black Klansman. And Green Book is a movie that deals with race that makes white people feel good. And Black yeah. Klansman's one that does <laughs> does the opposite. You you feel like a piece of shit at the end of the movie to a certain extent. Or at least there's a lot more of a militant black attitude I didn't, kind of is dressed at it. Yeah, I didn't feel bad at all by the end of it. Uh, or for any of the movies with one notable exception that we'll get to where I just felt terrible at the end. <laughs> um, I thought it was good. I didn't like, I didn't think his performance was that strong. The Washington character. I thought it was a very subdued Adam driver, which it's weird. I've not seen him in that much. And I always forget. He actually does just sound like Kylo Ren. I always think they put like a voice modulator mm, on no. him. He has this weird, crazy octave that he goes down to. Yeah, and I think he is a great actor. Um, I don't know, you call this like a pet quibble, but um, I was annoyed that Adam Driver, it never felt like he really tried to do the accent that the main character did on the phone that much. No, there was a part where I was like, one, I also didn't feel like the main character whited up his voice a lot, which mm-hmm. is weird, because sorry for not bothering you, or sorry to bother you, I think, uh, deals with that extensively. Huh. Um, but this one, it didn't feel like, when he like, answers the phone, he's like, you sound like a white guy. I, I guess it's more that they're just racist and they assume yeah. that a black person wouldn't talk eloquently. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, is, it didn't feel like they matched the voices too well. Because you, when you hear Adam Driver in person, like, that is a pretty distinct voice. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it gets higher on the phone because of allergies? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I get it. You have a cold, so you hear C- I hear C's as B's. <laughs> um, I, th- I really kept waiting for, like, a big reveal. Because the... The three main bad guys, uh, David Duke is in there with Topher Grace. It's a pretty good performance, I mm-hmm. thought. Um, but the three other bad guys that you get more, much more interaction with were fictional because they killed all three of them. Or yeah. no, two of them. They don't two kill the main one. They don't kill the guy who, for the entirety of the movie, I thought was Jack from Lost. I could see that a little bit, yeah. I, for a moment, I was like, did he get younger looking? And then I was like, Yeah, oh, no. definitely younger looking. Um I really kept waiting for the big reveal that they were smarter than they were letting on, and that big fat guy from I, Tonya was going to, like, turn around in a chair slowly, like, thank you for joining us, officer. <laughs> no, like there was we're glad you could be here. Like, he knew the whole time. Because I don't know, he is so dumb and fat and drunk. Like, why is he the third runner-up <laughs> in this group? Why is it, like, smart, kind of level-headed guy, paranoid guy, but still, like, he's right. Yeah. Adam Driver is Jewish. <laughs> And then just, like, a complete waste of poop. That's like, well, obviously you're the sergeant at arms. I would guess that maybe he's intentionally kind of dumb to add some levity into it. Because it is, I don't know if I'd call it a comedy, but it's definitely a more humorous take on the the subject. So, I think you need something like that, or else the Ku Klux Klan's just too terrifying and weird. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I can see it. I mean, 
It was one of the things I didn't like. I didn't tone wise. I do think it was off. I don't think they blended like these really wacky, over the top moments into like the serious subject matter they had to, as well as they want. I like this movie, and um, this isn't like a spoiler. This was a year of a lot of meh movies for me. There weren't many I was wildly passionate about. This one falls like towards the upper end of that. I, I did enjoy this, but I, I thought they could have done a little bit more with it and maybe made it a little bit more poignant, but. Not bad at all. So the big question is: Do you think it could win Best Picture? No. Okay. This would be I one th- of the remote. I think this ones. is maybe one of the top possibilities for it, but that's mostly just because there's not a ton of really strong contenders this year. I think. I don't. Yeah, and if you're going to give it to a black movie, I could see, I could see Green Book or Black Panther getting it before this. Honestly. Oh, I, well, we'll get to Black Panther at some point. All right. So let's go back into here. And Black Panther. All right. <laughs> Which is just nominated for Best I Panther. wish I'd rewatched this. And it is on Netflix. It was a possibility know. to rewatch it. I didn't either. I ha- yeah, and I haven't seen this. It's almost been a year at this, or it has been a year because yeah, it came out in point. February. Yeah. Um, I remember liking this movie a lot. I remember it being surprised it got into the Best Picture, but I feel like that was just a backup plan when everyone shit all over the idea of most popular yeah. movie. Was well, like, well, fine, we'll just shove it in here. Um, that being said, it's a it's one of the movies I liked the most of the ones that's been nominated. Yeah, um, I, I think it's it was a surprisingly good movie. Um, and it is crazy. Like the movie is almost less interesting than the cultural significance it became. Mm-hmm. Like having worked in the movie theater when that came out, first and foremost, the people who saw that movie are animals who just leave trash all over the floor like an inch thick. Oh, white people doing that? Yeah, yeah, a lot of white people. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was an extremely important movie. And people in dashikis going into the theater. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. You're seeing a lot of different... And a lot of people who definitely did not watch the other Marvel movies. Like, I was hearing a lot of, like, old grandmas leave and be like, White Wolf, I wonder who that is. Oh, that must be the next one. And then mm-hmm. I'm sitting there like, you old bitch, that's Bucky they're talking about, and that's an allusion to the comic book comparing the two characters. They're obviously one. fucking diverting from the comic book version <laughs> of White Wolf, you dumb whore. Idiot. <laughs> Oh, did I say that out loud again? That was his adopted brother that wasn't a very good person. <laughs> oh, oh my. I'm so sorry, Mr. Manager. Were you behind me again as I shouted this out loud? <laughs> Whoops. Oh, dear. I mean, would, do you have your frequent movie card thing, <laughs> whatever we call it? I, I went to uh, Giant the other day. Uh, I went to check out, and I had my headphones in. It did that part where it's like, you know, scan the bonus card, and the machine's like, your bonus card has been accepted. And I thought I was saying it internally. I did not. I said it out very loud where I was like, you're damn straight it has. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and a lot of old people turned to look at me. It's like here's someone dropping their prune juice. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Such profanity. What a monster. Marty, get him. <laughs> boop, boop. <laughs> God. It's, he has got, a combat mode? It's got, oh, Why just, is it faster than his cleanup spills mode? Oh, my God, it's an assaultron. That's not fair. <laughs> that's that's ridiculous. Why is it so slow the rest of the time? Oh, conserving energy for ass whoopings, obviously. <laughs> like it, let's be honest. It doesn't need to be that quick to catch me. I mean, let's be real. I've got quite a long distance to the car, and it's, it's, I've never been the fastest to run us. <laughs> and I'm not sure if I'm parked on the left or the right side oh, of the parking goodness. lot. I may have parked over in Arby's and walked here. I'm not even sure anymore. Um... But no, I, I like Black Panther. Uh, it's not my favorite Marvel movie. Probably wouldn't even be like my top five, but it would be definitely near the top five for me. Like maybe like seventh on my list or something like that. I'd have to rank them out, but yeah, I'm happy. To, I'm proud to say I've never actually done that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I know would the probably ones that agree. I somewhere like in the top favorite. ten. Yeah, uh, I think the only thing that really holds it back, and I don't fault him, but I don't think the character of um, 
Chitala himself is particularly fascinating in the same way a lot of the other leads are. Mm-hmm. I found him kind of out overshadowed by a lot of the people surrounding him, like his sister. And yeah, he's a little the villain and everything's like that. He has good moments. And I think he, you know, I love uh, Chadwick Boseman as an actor. Um, so hopefully like another movie or something like that helps him out. Still, the South African accent still bothers me. Because that's yeah. so based on like Dutch and British colonialism and Wakanda never had that. I mean... Maybe they'll learn their lesson. It took three movies before Scarlet Witch stopped having an accent. At oh, all. yeah. <laughs> People forget. <laughs> <laughs> the changes that happen. Um, so, I don't and we probably did a full review on Black Panther yeah, at one I point. Think we, I think, yeah, we did. Uh, I don't think Black Panther has a chance of hell of getting it, unfortunately. It's probably the one least likely to win. If only because mm-hmm. I don't think anyone in the Academy is going to vote for it. Um, I'd, put, I'd place it somewhere in the middle. I think it's got a better chance than... Black Klansman, I think it's got a better chance than Vice. There's a lot of one, there's two or three others that I think it's got a better chance on. And I'd be fine with it winning, but it probably won't. But it, fuck it. If you're going to give it to it, once again, this is a year with pretty rocky movies. So I don't, I would have no issue seeing this one. I don't think it will. You're right, though. Gotcha. Going back into the bowl. Boom. The favorite. Didn't see. Didn't see it. <laughs> I really wanted to. I really did. Because at first I didn't know what it was. I just saw a picture of a queen. And usually like Victorian dramas bore the shit out of me. But then I heard like last minute like, no, it's actually a wacky comedy. And I was like, oh, I almost wish I did. I opted. I to- contemplated just reading the Wikipedia page and pretending <laughs> like I've seen it. I know. Uh, I wish I had seen it. But the movie I opted to see instead, I'm very glad I saw instead. So okay. there's that. You want to go back? So, the favorite, everybody. Sorry. <laughs> Classic. Terry's like, my favorite of the year! And Vice. For Best Picture and Best Actor, uh, Christian Bale. Uh, I would say, far and away, Christian Bale's the best part of this in what I found an otherwise pretty mediocre movie. I didn't catch this one. This is one I had an opportunity to see, um, but I don't know. I kept hearing such mediocre things. I wasn't a huge fan of Get the Smart Down. Big Shorty. Big or the short. Big Short. Yeah, yeah, the Big Short, whatever it was. I, I you know I kind of liked it, but I was that was a movie that was tough to watch. Where I'm like, can you stop talking down to me the entire time? And I heard that there's like a point in the movie where they like, what would happen if Dick Cheney had gone to take care of his lesbian daughter instead yeah. of being in office? And that always sounded like I don't know, maybe the way it's like executed sounds nice, but it sounds like an insulting way to kind of look at it. Just be like, oh, what if a guy who was funded by a lot of corporate greed decided to spontaneously just help his LGBTQ daughter? Yeah, and it's hosted by, it's narrated by Jesse Plemons, who plays a guy that, like, at one point, finally, at the whole point, you're like, why is he? Because he doesn't seem to have any relation to the character. And then finally, towards the end, you find out he was, like, hit by a car while jogging, and he was dying, and they gave his heart to, um... Dick Cheney, okay. after like one of his heart attacks, he needed a heart transplant. Um, it, it was just very media. It was it's very boring for long stretches. Um, it's got so, it's there's not nearly enough Sam Rockwell. I would say Sam Rockwell was like one of the highlights of it as George Bush. Um, it's Steve Carell as this like ins- insidiously over the top evil Donald Rumsfeld. Um. I just didn't like it. Uh, I thought it was very mediocre. Christian Bale, it's a great performance. Um, he'll get an Oscar. He's, what, 45? He's already got one. Do you think he wins Best Actor? He won Best Golden Globe for it. And I forget who the actor that won. Oh, uh, Rami. Rami Malik. Yeah. 
Uh, and we'll get to that when that movie pops up. But um, <laughs> he could. I don't, and I don't have a problem with it. But I think it there's. It almost should be you shouldn't be allowed to be nominated for Best Actor if it's in a shit movie. And most people agreed this movie wasn't very good. Like, it didn't get a lot of credits, and it seemed like it was kind of a big surprise when it even showed up. Yeah. And I don't think without Christian Bale it ever would have gotten anywhere near an Oscar. No. I mean, I think I considered seeing it initially just based off the trailer where I was like, holy shit, that's Christian Bale? Because he really does disappear into that character. Mm -hmm. Do you know it's him? Um, But... Yeah, I haven't heard a ton of people who said they enjoyed it. At least not people that I know whose opinions I usually agree with on these kinds of movies. I would say wildly skippable. That's fair. Can't all be winners. Not like, ooh, Roma, which is up for Best Picture and Best Actress. Uh, This is actually one of my favorites. Uh, This was an odd one to me, initially. um, Because I wasn't really sure what it was about. I knew nothing. Yeah. I didn't know the premise outside of, I think I had seen the honest trailers about the Oscar pick, so they mentioned something about a housekeeper, Mm. and that was about it. Um, It's a very beautiful movie. I think probably the most beautiful movie they've had this year uh, in terms of cinematography, in terms of direction. Uh, the locations are, are incredible. This is the Netflix movie, by the way. Yeah, you losing. It's not black and white, but using very limited colors. Yeah, uh, like just basically earth tone kind of black and white. And I think it helped to not go in with too much knowledge of it because I thought the movie was one thing for a while when it really wasn't. I thought this was more of like a commentary on like housemaids, uh-huh. but that's not really what it's about. No, the family's just as kind of big a part. It's it's a kind of movie about like these weird ups and downs. It's horrifically sad. I I'd never, say a lot of downs. I will never watch this movie again. I can assure you of that. Um, just too much of a bummer. But yeah, and as much as I love it, I, it will probably be decades before I see this movie again. There were two things that I was very curious on. I kept thinking maybe this movie it was like some kind of Get Out, like some kind of version thing, a subversion thing at first. Because the wife, there's the scene where she's driving her to the hospital and she just, like, grinds her car p- through the two, like, giant trucks. I was like, and she's smiling the whole time. I was like, mm-hmm. is she insane or... Yeah, well, she she's not- she's in the middle of a breakdown, which thankfully she averts, but... Yeah. Uh, and find then- out she's going through this horrific divorce. and But not being told she's being divorced. Just being lied to by this husband that says he's going, there. he's a doctor and he's going on, like, this trip to uh, Canada where he's going to do Ottawa, I think, yeah. yeah where he's going to be like in some medical study and then ha- uh, maybe halfway into the movie you find out no he's still in town just fucking some new chick <laughs> and ignoring his kids yeah ignoring the whole family as a lot of stuff goes down around but the other thing that's crazy is when they go to their cousin's place and they show them like where the maids are staying and they have mounted heads of all the family dogs they've had over the years yeah. so I was like that's the craziest thing I've ever heard that's why I was like is this supposed to be a horror movie because I would never stay in a house. Oh, like maybe they were going to hunt them all the next it's, day. That's like, terrifying. Time for yeah. our Easter servant hunt. They're like, you're just as loyal as a good dog. That's why your head will be right next to Scruffers over here. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. But no. not above Beansy. <laughs> you pregnant whore. Beansy the third. <laughs> there have been a lot of them. Uh, once you start killing dogs, your house kind of gets a vibe that dogs pick up on. <laughs> uh, it was... Definitely like a draining movie to watch. I remember uh, reaching the point where, oh, by the way, uh, quite a gratuitous amount of cock during the like that one scene, which scene, is in the first like ten minutes of the movie. Where you're like, "Whoo, this is 
a lot of this. This is a lot of dick. All right, fair enough. Well, you know what? At the time, it seems crazy, but I think it sets that character up to be a complete bonkers character, which yeah. is what he was, Vermin. Uh, but you get to that point later on in the movie where she goes to talk to him, and he's like, no, and if you ever come by me and talk to me again, I'll kill you and the baby. And it was just me like sitting there and being like, Whew, how much is long left on this? 50 minutes. Okay. Whew, oh, geez. This was the movie that made me feel really bad about being a man by the end of it. Because it, it's slim to none male characters on it, and they're all just wild pieces of shit. Like I said, the father that just decides he's going to disappear in the same city and just fuck some younger woman and not visit his kids. Yeah. And then the boyfriend that knocks the maid up at the beginning of the movie... Literally, she tells him that she's pregnant while they're in the theater making out. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to go to the bathroom. She's like, the movie's got like 30 seconds left. He's like, no, I'm just going to go to the bathroom. And he just disappears to learn voodoo from a luchador in the <laughs> desert. Uh, which we eventually find out is him like going into like combat military guerrilla training. A true story about like a weird paramilitary group that the the police and the military of Mexico pretended they weren't affiliated with, but still kind of took stepping orders from them so they could have some plausible deniability. And they eventually just used them to kill protest, like student protesters at one point. I guess the seventies had a big revolution in Mexico city, but the whole time you're like, could some, like, could a guy get his comeuppance in this? They never do. Even the fucking doctor, when he, when she's giving birth, and he's in the, the elevator, like, holding her shoulder. And you can tell, like, the whole time she just wants to call him out. Like, where the fuck have you been? This yeah. family's falling apart. And he's like, no, it'll be okay. You know oh, what? was that That's the dad? Some... Yeah. Okay, I didn't, I didn't pick up on that. I thought it was, that was the doctor they saw earlier. That is. It, the dad and the doctor are the same guy. The one that she sees... Oh goes, no! Yeah, she's, that that one she she's talks talk, to, that's the, the one she talks to one. Yeah, that's the one she's talking to about the husband because she knows he works there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's brutal. Um, or like an anvil to drop on Vermin as he's like running out of the building. Yeah, you do get a lot of that, but uh, I do kind of like that the movie has this like huge kind of big climax, but that's not the end of it. Mm -hmm. Where there's like a big reveal that kind of comes out. And then it just goes on to the next day. And they're yeah. like, yep, this is how families work. There's going to be some ups and downs, but you stick together. Because I really expected it to just be a story about them being shitty to this, this maid. Yeah. Uh, and there's quite a few times they are very shitty to her. The kids, but, definitely. Uh, even the mom. There's a lot of times when the mom starts freaking out. But it think, definitely puts a lot of weight on her. But I think it's sometimes you're shitty with your family, even. Yeah, but there's a lot of, I think, her having a superiority role in Unleashing the fact that her husband's not. There. I think it's her crumbling. I don't know if it, it, it's. I don't her think she's necessarily evil person, but I, I, I definitely think that she treats the the housewife or the maid like shit. Yeah, you know, it's. I thought I found it very interesting because it kind of reminded me of my childhood a little bit because we were growing up in okay. Central America as well as Africa with live-in maids, and a live-in maid is a very interesting. Th it doesn't happen much in the states, I don't think. Yeah. Um. And, like, them getting delivered, like, big jugs of water. And that was kind of cool. Uh, there's so many little things that you wouldn't think meant <laughs> would mean anything to you. But when she finally gets that smaller car and pulls into the alley, I'm like, everything's going to be okay for this family. Because <laughs> that goddamn car, every scene is just it's terrific. It's her trying to, like, just park it in that, that garage. And, and then one like where she's clearly house. hammered and just scraping it all over the side. Uh the lead actress in it, whose name I'm not going to be able to pronounce. I'm really no. sorry. Uh, it's an interesting story. Not an actress herself normally, 
yeah. was kind of added in because of the look, and uh, she performs flawlessly. I think like it's it's a movie that hinges a lot on her feeling natural, and I think she succeeds that. I maybe wouldn't say she has the most compelling performances, but the fact that she just feels right in that world is such an important part because a lot of that movie kind of depends on this feeling of the intimacy, feeling real. She says a lot without saying a lot. Um, you know, she doesn't have a lot of dialogue. It's hard to also determine it in a, a movie that's got subtitles because you spend so much time reading, you miss a lot of kind of the nuances. But um, I could... She's not my pick, and I'll save that for the end, but I think she could be in, like, a top three running for Best Actress. Yeah, I think it's a real possibility. I think it's also a very real possibility for Best Picture as well. Mm-hmm. You want to go in there? Pick a good one, not a gay one. Not a lame one. The wife. I saw it. As did I. It's an incredible movie. Uh, I would not say it's the. I don't. Well, it's not up for best picture. It's only up for best actress. Mm. Um, but it absolutely should have been up for best picture. I think it's my favorite movie of any of the ones we saw uh, that were on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, incredible story. I, I if the premise is basically. Uh, what you think is going to be kind of an examination of the wife of a guy, an author who is winning the Nobel Prize for his writing, uh, and kind of taking a, an inspection into that relationship of being the wife of a famous person. Mm-hmm. And if that uh, definitely deconstructs that in a lot of ways, and if that sounds interesting to you in any way, I highly, highly recommend you to you stop listening now, watch The Wife, uh, and then come back later, because there is a ton to say with that. She's that hats to spoil uh, a ton. And... You owe it to yourself if it seems something interesting because there's going to be stuff that you're going to miss out on if you know a lot of the premise of this movie before going into it. Um, but I loved it. it. It was it was incredible. This was the movie I opted to see instead of the favorite, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, this is incredible. Um, Glenn Close is fantastic in it. Um, the, the acting all across the board is pretty good. Uh, I feel weird, but I definitely was like, she's enchanting. She maybe is the best actress of any time. Like, hey, fuck you, Meryl Streep. Glenn Close is amazing. Uh, but the movie did so much. It really does play off expectations a lot. Uh, there's a lot of kind of subtext within the movie about what it's like to be the quote-unquote wife. Mm-hmm. And then there are these role reversals and all these different twists and turns. The last like half hour of the movie is just chock full of them. Uh, it's so uncomfortable at times and then beautiful at times. And mm-hmm. you, you do get to see why she's in this relationship that is not at all what it seems. Mm-hmm. There's so many scenes that when you see it, when you think about it later on, you're like, oh, the context, this is very different. Like mm-hmm. there's a scene where he gets, you know, he's announced as the winner of the Nobel Peace Prize. So he's jumping onto bed with his wife and he's like, yeah. I won the Peace Prize. I won the it's Peace the Prize. It's the premise of the whole movie. And yeah. you're like... Oh, when you know what happens later on in the movie, yeah. like, now I see why there's this kind of different attitude on her part because of it. Mm-hmm. And why she says a lot of the things she says. Um, just an astounding movie. Why this um, is the greatest weekend of his life and a very mixed bag for her. And she's, uh, it's just, it's such a complex movie. Like, it's it just, it creates such a, a wonderfully kind of layered character mm-hmm. that's just fascinating, I think, to, like, look through. It's like another movie I'd probably want to see again to dissect more but there's a lot that they do that's just really subtle and great mm-hmm. um, although I'm sure part of it's me being biased because it is a movie about writers mm-hmm. so there's a part of me that enjoys it from that but I liked it quite a bit <laughs> Mike is like it was poop Where uh, the big uh, I'm sorry did I say Vice was the biggest <laughs> turkey of the year <laughs> no um, no I, I liked it uh, I'm not sure if I liked it as much as you were you surprised by the reveal that she was the 
No, it's not said it's, forward. He implies gra- that she's like that. She just edited his work. But it's I, a gradual realization. There's scenes where you see early on in the movie where he's clearly asking her for advice on writing, um, and you discover relatively early on into the movie that she was a writer. At the at first flashback, I kind of assumed. Yeah, that was but there's, be the there's definitely something going on there. Uh, but it, you still get so much stuff in the start of it that gives you a payoff even when you do it. I don't think there's a moment when the very shitty and. Next to someone in Bohemian Rhapsody, maybe the greatest villain, even fuck you, Killmonger, in all the Oscar movies we watched this year, was the, the douchey uh, autobiography writer. You're just like, oh, oh you... Christian you Slater. <laughs> yeah. It's one of my um, favorite scenes in the movie is her telling him to fuck off at the end. Oh, yeah. I was like, please don't let him get this story. I'm not saying this story shouldn't get out, but fuck him. Yeah, but there's just a moment, though, where um, they, you just you, you get so many like little pieces of context that... I don't think it's when he says it that you're like, aha, but you kind of realize it, and that's the moment when a lot of pieces start to line up, too. Like, you watch, you go back to when he's talking to another winner, and he's like, my wife's a scientist. She always critiques my work. And he's like, oh, well, I'm glad my wife's not a writer. I would never be able to get anything done. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, that must have just killed her on the inside. Did you hold out hope that he was going to give her credit in the speech and finally come clean? No, but I'm glad they didn't do that either because a lot of this movie was about creating a more interesting thing because there's so much commentary in the movie when he's like the story or like the kid he has a younger son uh not younger but he has a son uh who's also a writer his sons usually are younger yeah uh but he has well it's worth noting this guy's like maybe 70 yeah i think they're both supposed to be like in their 70s uh the kid looks like he's maybe early 30s mid 30s Mm -hmm. at best um but he tells him like a couple times he's like hey you know Eventually, there's a big point where he's like, hey, uh, your story, he gives him critique, and he's like, the, the blowhard, you know, husband and the wife who just lashes out with this repressed anger, it's it's cliche, it's done before. And I think it would have been just as cliche if the ending was, the husband learned from the errors of his ways, gives his wife credit, everyone applauds, happy ending. It's such a more complex story at the end, where you really see, like, these weird kind of gives and takes you put when you're in a relationship. I find relationships of, like, old couples to be fascinating, where, mm-hmm. like, the butterflies are gone, but they still kind of rekindle them every now and then. Yeah. There's this real back and forth that they kind of hate. Um, and I loved it. I, maybe my favorite moment was when the, the husband starts talking about, like, and while you were writing, I was the one cooking. I was the one cleaning. I was taking care of the kids. And you're like, oh, so he's the wife now. Mm-hmm. And it's this weird subversion that then spins back and all these, these back and forths. Uh, and you kind of almost, like, in my mind, the way the story ends is she's going to write the next book. Maybe, like, say it was his. And it's going to use all this. Like, it's, it's there's a part where I kind of look at it and I'm like, hmm. maybe she kept doing this. Because she says all the material she used from his affairs, everything like that is what went into these books. So I wouldn't be shocked if she kind of, like, that's why she doesn't, like, reveal it at the end. And is like, I'll tell my family, but that's it. But she's going to keep it together because, you know, this is amazing material. And I think that's part of it. She's going to release one last book under his name? That or something. I, I think there's. A I mean, very, he just won the Nobel Prize, so whatever yeah. comes out next is going to be a big seller. That, and I think there's a real possibility it happens, just because that seems to be a reason why I think she's stuck in the relationship. Well, she could so say long. co-wrote it at that yeah. point with him. Well, I don't. So, yeah, so I she, don't understand why it. he didn't give her that credit at some point going in. Like, why don't you I just say it's a husband-wife? His kind first of thing. books were made in like the '50s, and if you yeah. were, like, it was co-written by a woman. But by like the uh, '80s, you could have easily gotten away. Yeah, from but it. then you have to start answering. You're like, wow, these books are remarkably similar to the ones in the past. Were you a dickhead who didn't give your wife credit back then, kind of thing? Or I guess maybe in his mind, he still was writing it, and she was just a very skilled editor. Where. I think the There's, more likely scenario was he gave her a bunch of shit, and she's like, mm, and she like painted it into gold. 
it's there's a lot that you kind of almost have to dissect of like what she's telling the truth on like what are earnest feelings for her because she says like in the one flashback scene she's like no you're the visionary you're you're the world builder yeah. i can make it but you you're the you're the kingmaker there's that amazing line at the end where she's like yeah. i'm a kingmaker uh which almost would have been a great line to close the movie off on but you also have to look back and like, was it her giving him credit because she didn't want to lose him? At that time, she was badly in love with him. And I think later on, it just became this. I think it was just an inferiority thing that she had when she was young. And she was just that madly in love with her and just mm-hmm. had no belief in herself as a woman because it was like, oh, women weren't selling anything. There's not even a woman teacher at this women's college. Yeah. And, it's some young guy that just gets to prey on students. Oh, yeah. I mean, there is definitely a weird scene, too, when that starts happening. You're like, oh, God, is this going to be that? But luckily, she reciprocates at first. So I was like, oh, phew. Thank she God. seems very on board. But it's weird that he probably knew he wanted to fuck her from the beginning and still has her sign up to be the babysitter. Like, you think that Oh, that's would be- 100% intentional on his mm-hmm. part. But it ends up being lucky for him that she falls in love with him. It's almost like I want this scenario where you can see my wife and know how much of a cunt she is. And it's like, it's not my fault. You know that. Or just give more reason to see her outside of school to like yeah. suddenly increase that relationship. Yeah, I loved it a lot. I mean, there's like the scene where they have that big, huge fight. And then they get the news that their grandson's born. And they're talking to him on the phone. And that was mm-hmm. a moment I started getting like choked up a little bit. It's a very sweet moment. And just seeing their faces afterwards where they're like, oh, man. Because the fight they had before is obscene like they're yeah. screaming some horrible shit at each other and then this one moment just suddenly dissolves all of that for yeah. the time being and you're like and it would it that's would insane for... how that like that's that realistic it would yeah it's and like... that's that's what i love the movie was a very mm-hmm. big proponent of like we're doing what feels realistic there's a reason we've like been keeping up this charade for 40 years yeah i think they both get something out of it obviously mm-hmm. he gets a lot more but i think there's a very important reason why she's still in a relationship and it's not just the kids I might argue it's a little too simplistic that he dies at the end because it, it sets the scene for what's going to happen next. Whereas if he's alive, you wonder, like, hmm, how much longer does she put up with this? Does she go to the grave with this? It's weird because I, I can't. There's probably no way I can explain this without sounding super douchey. But I loved it on a meta level because you almost have to start looking at this like this entire movie is the next book that she's going to write. And it ends on this crazy out of nowhere thing. A husband... Kind of die. not out of nowhere, but this crazy big moment where the husband dies, status quo's irrevocably changed, and it just adds a new shift to everything. And that's kind of how, like, they're telling these books is, is you know, Nobel Prize winning. You'd expect something crazy like that does happen at the end of each of them. So, do you think the next book ends with him dying? I think the next book. I mean, I don't know if the books that he writes are all the same series. It sounds like they're all no, the same but I don't. It, it's but not... I think the next book she writes will probably have the husband dying. The husband character dying. And does it continue on? See, I, if she doesn't put her name on the book, even if it's co-written, it seems like it's worth nothing. Like, why not I mean, take a still, little bit of your she's spotlight She's still going to get back? the estate. It seems like she doesn't, because she also says she hates the spotlight. She notes that mm-hmm. several times. She hates being looked at. Uh, a lot of it just seems to be self-esteem issues kind of beaten into her as being a woman back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a part of her that has a lot of anxiety about putting herself out there even now that things are a lot different mm-hmm. i think she's still afraid to like take that stand out there mm-hmm. um but i don't know maybe that changes at the end you know the, there's no longer the husband character to kind of pull her back when she goes in one direction you know the, yeah the back massage thing to be talked about so doesn't have to worry about him trying to pork photographers yeah in scenes you're like oh please let this end <laughs> well at first you didn't think you're like all right the photographer's clearly not into him so this is fine and then she's like fine and like uh <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I 
we'll do predictions at the end, or uh, yeah, we'll do predictions at the end. Okay, she's a strong candidate, obviously for both I think of she's us. I'm sure. Definitely, yeah, a big, a big candidate for it. All right, let's get in here. Can you ever forgive me? Which is just best actress. I didn't even know that one. That's the Melissa McCarthy one where she plays. Oh shit! Was it Israel or whatever? I didn't. The writer one. I didn't see it either. Fuck. I thought the only one I hadn't seen is Forgiven. All right, I didn't see this one. And once again, Best Actress, unfortunately, gets the short end of the stick. <laughs> At least I saw the one that was, on, well, one of the two that was only nominated. I'm pretty sure we're, we guaranteed to see the winner between the two of us. Um, but we're going to see. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. All right, Best Picture and Best Actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I'm also a fan of uh, Queen's Music. Um which is probably a big reason I enjoyed this a lot more than A Star is Born, but we'll get to that. But um, I liked it a lot. I thought it was a very fun movie. I think it was very interesting. Uh, I think the the last scene, I don't even like the song Radio Gaga, but I loved seeing it performed like that because it's the start of the Rite Aid. This is uh, the whatever. Live Aid. Live Aid. And uh, obviously everyone knows this is the story of Freddie Mercury and Queen. And Live Aid... Our was, dear sister, our little sister, did not realize Freddie Mercury was dead, by the way. Up to about a year ago. She's like, he's not touring anywhere. What a bum. <laughs> like, I don't know how to tell you this. He died in, like, the mid-90s. Yeah. You were never alive when Freddie Mercury 90s. was on this wall. Yeah. You and Freddie Mercury didn't I cross. barely crossed. <laughs> Maybe like, Freddie Mercury there. is in you? I don't know. But it's when he died at Jump Souls. Um, <laughs> but, uh... uh I... Fr- Obviously, I wouldn't remember, but Queen was, like, really big in, like, the late 70s, early 80s, and then had kind of disbanded and had started becoming irrelevant, and then came back for that Live Aid one, which was such, like, a historic performance, and everyone loved it. And uh, I thought that was one of the most beautifully shot things I've seen outside of Roma for any of the movies picked. Uh, I liked it a lot, enjoyed it quite a bit. I would say you could have hit the gay note a little harder as far as like the consequences of being gay at the time. Like Elton John wasn't out of the closet in the eighties. He did crocodile rock for God's sakes. Yeah. And, uh, I don't think Liberace was still (laughs) technically out of the closet in the eighties. Like it's implied that he's hiding his gayness, but it's not shown why. And because why is like, well, because there's certain venues that wouldn't have booked you. There's certain cities you wouldn't have been allowed to perform in. And I don't, maybe you disagree, I don't think they got that off at all in this movie. Like the real danger to being known, to being Being out of the closet. Like not openly, but being a rumor. Out of the closet. Um, So I will preface this by saying I'm not a huge Queen fan. I enjoy their songs, but I don't. Outside of maybe Under Pressure, I don't think any of them would be ones I'd put on the playlist. Not even Bohemian Rhapsody? I enjoy it. I just, it's a song I don't like. I don't know. They're very weird songs, which don't really gel with what I tend to listen to music for. I tend to listen you to love that. I believe in a thing called love song. I mean, that's an amazing which is song. Bizarre. That's so goofy. It's 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 self aware. Okay. There's this very. They're just weird. clearly stealing from Queen. Look, for a movie that put obnoxiously fake ones in his mouth, this is a movie with absolutely no teeth in it. Uh, that's stunning to me. This is my least favorite by far that we watched. Really? I, not only that, I disagree with you when it's beautiful. Outside of the Live Aid shot, where they show, like, they actually use real audience for a portion of it, uh, it's terribly edited. The word, By far the worst edited movie in this list. Okay. There's a lot of scenes where they're having conversations in, like, a, a record room or something like that, and it, it it's filmed and edited by someone who, like, I don't know if it's, like, Flash running the corners around the room, because it just keeps cutting around without any tempo or rhythm to it. There's a point where they're playing music. It doesn't line up with the music at all, which which what you'd assume. It's fucking, like, we will rock you. And it doesn't cut 
when they're doing the beats at all. And you're like, that seems like an absolute gimme. Um, and I, I honestly, I think it's just so up its own ass. Uh, there's a lot of this movie. I don't know if, have you ever seen uh, the... Uh, in what way? Uh, well, I'll get to it. Have you ever seen the um, the uh, Brady Bunch gif of Marsha where she like rolls her eyes and is like, sure, Jan, and then just gives like the biggest eye rolls and like looks to the side? That's how I felt about a lot of the scenes in this movie. Mm. Like where they go in for the big meeting and he's like, what do you guys got for me? And he's like, boom, they play operetta. Michael Myers. Yeah, and everyone in the room starts like, all the like, band members get this cocky, shitty smirk on their face. And they're just like, they, you don't understand how incredible this is. Well, if you don't have a fondness for that song, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, even, with that, even without that. I know that there's people out there who've noted like the inaccuracies of it, timeline stuff that they shifted around and things like that. But I really just, it, it didn't have anything. Like, you mentioned it, it didn't have anything to, like, really go hard in. I thought they were, like, obscenely delicate with Freddie Mercury, where they don't try to make him look out to be a bad guy at all. It's almost like a Johnny they Depp They make kind him of cold. Thing. They don't make him that cold, though. Like, he, you never come... He's like, pretty shitty the, to that the, wife he has. Yeah, but even the bandmates always kind of, like, look to his shenanigans with, like, an eye roll and a tee-hee kind of thing amongst themselves. No, but there's... Even when, even when they have a giant fight, they're still just like, oh, you piss off there. And there's nothing... Like, there's a scene where he mushes the one dude's face in, and you expect, like, fists to be thrown or something, and he's just like, you tee-hee, how dare you, Freddy? You come late every day. And the band like, breaks up, it? practically. Yeah, and it still doesn't... It doesn't paint Freddie Mercury like kind of a selfish dude in that situation. I disagree completely. I, I think he comes off as a real dickhead, I, most of that. Not in enough that you think it would, like, really make this whole redemption arc or anything like that. I just don't... It just didn't feel like it had any, like, emotional core outside of, like... A very feel-good movie about Freddie Mercury, which I enjoy, but I mean, it's just not any teeth to it at all, and that's really what I thought this was going to have. I understand that the band partially funded this, but like, yeah, even, that's always that's always going to be a problem. Like, you're always going to get a slant. Yeah, like it's they're definitely trying to like <laughs> phase these guys in. It's like, oh, well, we were untouchable. Like you mentioned that there's like a huge gap at the end of a decade where they're nothing. The mm-hmm. movie does not characterize that at all. No. They go right from one hit to Freddy kind of spiraling for like 13 minutes and then right back to like Lion. Which was based was, was like four or five years. Kind yeah, of. like there's not anything that really comes in there. Um, and I'll note one other thing that maybe is just a funny mind for me, but where he calls his, uh, I don't, is it his wife at that point? He calls, yeah. he calls her on the phone. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to be coming back soon. So, you know, just wait for me. And he's that like, pussy warm. Yeah, he's like, you know uh, how much you love it. Well, he's like, put uh, put Romeo on the phone. I want to talk to him. And she's like, well, when are you coming? Or no, he's like, put Romeo on the phone. I want to tell him I love him. She's like, do you love me? I wanted to just be like, put the goddamn cat on the phone. <laughs> you, you selfish whore. I was like, I didn't ask about him for goddamn you. I want to talk to goddamn Romeo, the cat. You selfish whore. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I understand that it's a divisive opinion, but. This is the one that I definitely felt the least amount in. But again, I'm also not a Queen fan, so there's there's maybe a little bit of bias there. I thought it was I thought it was obviously better than than your review. Um, and you didn't see Vice, so <clears throat> I thought they did a, a pretty good job of showing the division in the band when he got big, and you know them like coming to his house and not even wanting to hang out for longer than ten minutes, and. Him basically shitting on the band finally at their their like final breakup session after he shows up like two hours late, drunk as fuck. Um, you know, and I think that I think they did a pretty good job. And his redemption is going in there like I fired those hanger ons that weren't helping my life. And this I was blown away by. 
when the the band like he's basically come crawling back to the band to get everyone back together because Live Aid's so short uh, is very is quickly approaching. Even though I guess in reality they had played several live shows before Live Aid and had worked out a lot of the kinks, but regardless, and they say like, "All right, equal copyrights for everybody," and he's like, "Yes." I was like, "Wait, that wasn't in play from the beginning. How do you do a band where you're not giving like equal copyrights to everybody?" They talk about that a lot, where they're just like We're fighting over who gets royalties and things like that. I'm like, "That's not in place." Like. I don't know how this band didn't break. Why wouldn't you have them? already broken up? Yeah, if like you weren't willing to sign like a copyright thing with your, um, I would say I thought it was the funniest line of any movie uh, that got nominated when um, because you know they're arguing over what's going to be the single for whatever album Bohemian Rhapsody's on, and Bohemian Rhapsody famously is like a seven minute song, and the record producer played pretty decently, I thought, by Mike Myers. Uh, is like, yeah, how about not that? How about I'm in love with my car, which I've never heard of, but it's a Queen song that Freddie Mercury doesn't sing on. And it was written by the one guitarist. Interesting. The Brian guy? Yeah. And, uh, you can tell, like, Freddie Mercury wants no part of that song being the, the, the lead single. Yeah. And then it shows, uh, Freddie Mercury at the radio station later on, and they're like, all right, and he hands the, the DJ his demo, and they're like, all right. Oh, I'm in love with my car. Other side. <laughs> there are moments like that. I think Rami Malek's very charming. Uh, there's two moments I want to mention, because I, I briefly alluded to the other big villain in the movies we saw, for me, is that super douchey boyfriend he has. Where, like, the He might be movie, one of the worst villains. You're like, what a world. fucking shithead. You just hate him so much. Shits little, fucks Littlefinger over immediately. To, like, First chance he has. Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure he'll be down for this. <laughs> Uh, but the other thing, like, the, even at the end, when they, like, they get to Live Aid, and it's, like, the Bob guy's just like, we want to make one million pounds, and it's before Queen comes out, and he's, like, looking, they're like, we're not getting anything, Bob! <laughs> and then Queen starts playing, and it goes to, like, t- like three million pounds. I'm like, Phil Collins opened the show, <laughs> there's no way that's possible. There's a moment where they go, like, Queen's coming out, and the one guy's staring at the board, and he sees, like, the dials turned down, that has, like, a do not touch note, and he's like takes the note off, pushes the volume up, and then puts the note back. I'm like, yeah, no one wanted to hear Led Zeppelin. <laughs> fucking Turn it down, the who? <laughs> of these bands. Bob Dylan, put it down. No one wanted to hear any of these bands play. Fuck, like David Bowie, no one wanted to hear him. Just Queen. The sort of Beatles reunion we got. Turn it down, boys. <laughs> Blokes, come on. Uh, that was also a disappointment. There's no David Bowie. Yeah, I, I was hoping. Hope. There wasn't really any music, other musicians. No, yeah, uh, but I was, as I said, I, Under Pressure is probably my favorite Queen song, so I was hoping uh, that. I mean, it does play at one point, but um, I don't know. It just wasn't one for me. It's uh, in my top three, I would say, best picture, honestly. Of, um, but I, yeah, as a Queen fan, I could see why maybe I, I enjoyed it a lot more than you did on, on certain levels. Is this the last one? No, there should be more in there. Oh, okay. Here it is. Yeah. There's one more. Uh, at Eternity's Gate. Did not see it. I did see. Did you know anything about this? No. It's Willem Dafoe, a uh, 60-year-old Willem Dafoe as a, a 30-year-old uh, Vincent Van Gogh. And Vincent Van Gogh's last year. I actually enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Um, it's very artsy. Uh, it, once again, Willem Dafoe's Vincent Van Gogh and Vincent Van Gogh's last couple years when he had gone to the set... he. Vincent Van Gogh famously never sold anything while he was living, and he was considered kind of a joke. 
and uh, upon the advice of another artist who never sold anything in his life that ended up becoming very successful post-mortem, played by Oscar Isaac in a like curious, very small role, um, goes to the south of France, um, drinks a lot, and he, he's probably schizophrenic, undiagnosed, and not medicated at all. Yeah, that was always so amazing. He definitely had some mental illnesses. But sponsored by his brother, not a wealthy man, but at least he has enough that like he can afford to give Van Gogh like room and board somewhere that he can afford to keep painting. At a very prolific time of his life where he painted several, dozens and dozens of paintings. Um, and it, he gets committed at a couple points. Uh, you know, it shows the famous cutting off his ear section, which is... Ba- I hadn't heard the full story. I thought it was over a woman, but it was over Oscar Isaac, who was at one point, his brother had paid Oscar Isaac to come down and stay like in the same city as Vincent Van Gogh, just to keep him company. He was sponsored. Van Gogh was sponsored by his younger brother, who he had a very close relationship with. And his younger brother was constantly worried about him because of these sort of violent outbursts he'd have. And, um, but anyway, the, the Oscar Isaac character leaves after they have kind of an argument, and Vincent Van Gogh cut off his ear because he thought something he said offended Oscar Isaac, and he tried to mail it to him. Uh, anyway, a very, it's a very dark story, very sad. I think it's maybe behind Roma the most beautifully shot thing I've seen this entire year. It's a lot of great exteriors, a lot of great art. Uh, it's got two Bond villains in it in small roles. Uh, not Christopher Walken. I know that was everybody's <laughs> first guess. Chris Christopherson. <laughs> um, ends amazingly. It, it, it ends with him. Uh, his cause of death was listed as suicide after he allegedly shot himself in the stomach. He died a couple days later, but supposedly told everyone there that like I shot myself. Um, but it was later on hinted by some people that he might have actually been shot by like a couple of local toughs that didn't like him and uh i thought it was weird to include this because it's been listed as suicide for so long but it's hinted that maybe he was shot by these toughs and just didn't remember it because he'd have these long blackout periods where he couldn't account for his actions um and that's how it ends and then it, it, it at one point like he leaves the place he's staying at he doesn't have enough money for the last couple weeks rent so he just spends a few days sketching a ton of uh, drawings on these on their like account ledger and leaves that there and uh it sat there for 80 years no one knew about it huh. and then they found it and it sold for 20 million dollars or something um and sadly his brother who cared so and it's really a touching kind of relationship between him and this younger brother that's really having to take care of him um, but it, it's some of the odder scenes because this younger brother is probably 30 and Willem Dafoe is clearly not um, but he eventually, after his brother died, despite having a wife and kid of his own, uh, got so sad he essentially just willed himself to die within a year. Uh, like Liam, or not Liam, Rolo, the cat. Oh, <laughs> Rolo. <laughs> it's always, it always comes back to the cats. Put that cat on the phone. <laughs> Put that cat, that cat on the phone. You dumb bitch. No one's asking if I love you. <laughs> But uh, I liked it quite a bit. Um, I would love to see Willem Dafoe get this. He doesn't have an Oscar, to the best of my knowledge. So if you're looking for a chance to give it to him, this is kind of the artsy movie that does, but it feels like nobody knows about this movie, so I don't think it will. There's sometimes surprises, though. 
But if you like a if you like a beautiful movie, a beautiful shot movie, I, I highly recommend it at some point. Very good. All right, this is the last one, I believe. Uh, nope, that's sorry. There's two more. Maybe there's one that got grabbed in two. Anyway, the one we'll do after Green Book is Star Wars Boy. Okay. Uh, this is Best Picture and Best Actor. You can start with Star uh, Green Book. So we uh, we watched Green Book together. And in each other's arms. Like Phantom Thread. Naked. <laughs> Just like Phantom Thread. <laughs> uh, and Green Book is an enjoyable movie. Um, I think it's it's got some funny moments to it. It's got some heartwarming. Uh, but I did mention at the start when I talked about Black K.K. Klansman. Um, or I guess Black Klansman. I don't know. There's a third K in there, so I don't know if you're supposed to pronounce it or not. Uh, but that Green Book is definitely the movie about racism to make white people feel good because it does not really tackle racism particularly hard. Um, it shows Viggo Mortensen, uh, who is playing a wonderfully stereotypical Italian guy to the point where like, I'm stunned that he doesn't have any Italian in him at all for how well he does it. Uh, but, he, you know, he plays a bodyguard for a gay black character and they go down south, and the whole premise is about this this book called the Green Book, which you know listed for you know black travelers the places where they could stay that they wouldn't be like attacked or accosted or in danger. Mm. Um, and I've heard a lot of critique for people being like, it doesn't really actually deal with the Green Book all that much. It doesn't really touch on Tony's racist tendencies all that much. Like you know, there's the whole joke about him. Like, why don't you eat fried chicken? What are you too snobby for that? Come on, put your hands on him. Put your greasy monkey hands on him. <laughs> you never did uh, say little, that. A little, little exaggerated. There. I don't believe he says monkey the entire movie. Uh, no, but he definitely with his eyes. You mean? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he says it with his mouth. Uh, but there's there's a couple points that really doesn't like touch too too harshly on Viggo Mortensen's character all that much. Tony, I want to say it is. Tony Lip. Um, yeah. yeah, it's not to say that this is not a good movie by uh, per se, but I, I do think that after seeing Black Klansman, it definitely did strike like, oh, like this is how you know you could tackle it in one way, whereas the other ones really a feel good movie, which isn't a bad thing mm -hmm. by any stretch, but it is worth noting that it is like the major difference between them. I still enjoy it though. I mean, it's a feel good movie. I feel good watching it. I would say it's got significantly better dialogue than Black Klansman. I th I thought there were a lot more exchanges and conversation I enjoyed. Obviously, the two main characters are Vigo and Martial Ali, but... Do um, you think it's a little fucked up that he's best actor and not Martial Ali? I think there's some weird rule. I don't know if it's... If they have it for actors, too, but that two actors can't be nominated for lead actor in the best movie... Even though when two of them are clearly like the focal points, I think that's odd. But uh, <clears throat> if I had to pick between the two, I mean the the movies from Viggo Mortensen's perspective, and you get his backstory, and you really don't get much of Martial Ali's besides what he tells you, which is not much. And just like I don't really talk to my family anymore. Um, <clears throat> I do. A, the ending was really kind of what hurts it a little bit for me. The ending was a little too Hallmark Christmas movie. Like, yeah. all of them to get together. You expected, like, one guy to just be like, oh, racism solved. Yeah, like, he, the ending of it is, like, he goes home for Christmas. Tony's with his family. He invites Marshall Ali, who initially declines, but then comes back later. And it's not only, like, welcomed by, like, the wife, but the entire, entire family. family. The entire, not a single... Sebastian like, Maniscalco practically kisses him. Like, <laughs> celebratory, like, welcome, too. Like, oh, my God, thank goodness you... Not one guy is like, yeah, and you miss the And you missed the intro to the movie, which is Tony Lip. He works as, like, a bouncer. So he's... It's during the daytime. He's sleeping, wakes up. 
and like his entire in-law family of guys is sitting in his living room watching a baseball game and he goes like what are you guys doing here and they just like oh keeping your wife company and sebastian mascalco just kind of like tilts his head over to two black plumbers fixing her sink and she's offering them lemonade and after they leave vigo morrison's character goes in looks at the two glasses they were drinking at looks at the trash can looks at the two glasses they were drinking at looks at the trash can and then throws out the glasses so it really is a gigantic transition to all of a sudden at the end, like, yeah, come on in, it's Christmas, everybody's invited, gagoosh! Yeah, very much like Ebenezer Scrooge, like, happy ending for everybody, mm-hmm. get the ghosts in here. Uh, I think it has some of the best dialogue, I think it's got a ton of good character exchanges, this is one of my top three of the ones that were picked. Once again, nothing here really, like, knocked out of the park for me. I don't think that I had a wife in this that you seem to have had. Um... I liked it quite a bit. Uh, I'll save it for picks, but I think Viggo Mortensen's one of the strongest arguments for best actor. I think there's a real possibility he gets it. And especially considering just like two years ago he did Captain Fantastic, which is was such a different movie. I think that's the year you didn't see Dick, right? Yeah, probably not. Uh, and then we're finishing this off then with uh, A Star is Born, mm-hmm. which is up for best picture. Best Actor and Best Actress, all all three of them. So you better have seen this one. I did. You're like, nope. Yeah, I, did. I saw What's it called? <laughs> Star is Born. Mikey, it's like a 70-year-old movie. You could have just watched one of the other versions, and it probably went out up pretty oh, well. Oh, one last thing on Green Book. I forgot because I wrote this down at some point. The look on his face when Tony snags the pen at the interview. I guess that was a cool thing. Which it was extremely weird seeing uh, Marshall Ali a doctor of music, like, in full African garb, sitting on a throne. You missed this, too. That was one of, like, the first scenes of the movie. That was his job interview. Uh, <clears throat> I thought Star is Born was okay. Uh, I went into it with kind of low expectations. Uh, I had not seen any of the previous remakes of this. It's a uh, remake of a remake. Of yeah. a remake. I think it's been done four times now. Really? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think, 70 years old originally at this point. Yeah, there's a black and white one about an actor just trying to break out of like in out of silent film into talkies. Uh, I initially was pretty kind of bored by this one, um, but I was kind of saved by the fact that I feel like everyone was Andrew really, Dice Clay. Yeah, he really uh, saved it for me too. No, it was really everyone in it was really good. Uh, well, at least the leads were. Um, I will note there is. Maybe the biggest waste of any character is Dave Chappelle showing up for like 15 minutes. I forgot he was in it, and, and then I saw him and then realized, I didn't realize until five minutes later, like, oh, he's never going to be in this again. Yeah, it's, it's a very, like, weird one-and-done kind of scene. Uh, but he is in it. Uh, but I, I, I ended up liking it a lot, uh, kind of for the reasons I didn't like Bohemian Rhapsody. This one... Did you like the songs? They were okay. I didn't I'm like not, any of them. I'm not crazy about it, but even le- even not loving the songs. I mean, I think Shallow's good. Um, but even not liking the songs, I, I like that this movie really did make you hate Bradley Cooper for a while. Like he's he's a complete fuck up. Um, and when he's up on stage, like stumbling and slurring as she's accepting a Grammy, you're like being oh, himself. Man. Yeah, and you're like Jesus Christ! Like this is this is monumentally bad. Yeah. Uh, and again, like that's something where the the real drama in that relationship kind of like fueled me in a better direction. Um, I thought this was exceptionally good for Bradley Cooper. He he plays someone who, for a very long time, I wouldn't understand why people would find him charming. 
I know I'm not like the demographic for it, but for a long time I was like, he's such an unlikable person. Uh, but then when he starts getting sober and you see just how much he's changed, you can see why there's a part of her that keeps holding on to this relationship. Mm-hmm. And there's a hope that you're like, maybe this will get together until that ending, which you're like, whew, oh, madre Dios. Did not see this one coming <laughs> okay. at all. Because I had seen the 70s one is Chris Christopherson and Barbara Streisand. And mom was a big fan of it. And I saw this several times as a kid. So I knew it didn't end well for him. I believe in the in the 70s one, he just intentionally kind of drives his motorcycle off the road. Uh, and this one, I don't know what they... They don't show it, but I guess he hung himself in he, his house, He hangs right? himself with his belt, I think. Yeah. That seems to be the implication, at least. Uh, so I was prepared for that. So it was wasn't... brutal in front of the dog. Too. Well, not in front of the dog, but yeah. the dog's outside. The whole movie, I, I knew it wasn't going to end well for him, so I wasn't surprised by this. I, I knew that it didn't end well. I know I had heard that this is kind of a story about a guy who loves a girl, but he realizes he's not the right one for her, and he kind of has to let her go mm-hmm. to move on. And I thought it was just going to be he would he would... I was thinking when he shows up, like, first drunk, I was like, oh, he's going to make a huge wreck of himself at the concert, so she'll finally break up with him. But he's intentionally doing it because he knows that she'll be happier moving on. I'm like, oh, no, some super shitty fucking, like, agent was just like, eh, you know, maybe you'd be better out of the picture. And he just interprets mm. that as killing myself. Yeah, fuck that agent. Yeah, that's, that's another actually, guy. That's, that's probably maybe the big one. He's yeah, you know what? Fuck. When the consequences of it, yeah, <laughs> you gotta go, it's pretty bad. He's he's kind of a human. You will pile of shit. And you never get the scene where she fought shit cans his ass. You hope that would happen at some point. You'd hope, but you're like, does anybody know that that's what set him off? Like, that's the tragedy in it, is like never knowing, because it doesn't sound like he left a note or anything like yeah. that. Uh, and there's a very sweet moment where she's singing the song the two of them wrote together, as you kind of realize that's what's happening. Oh and, what a shame, uh, such a poop song. It's a fine song. And then you have it cut naturally over to the two of them doing it as a duet, and you're like, this last moment of the two of them happy together as you know he's leaving the world and she's about to realize that everything's changed. Um, there's a lot of modern updates to it. I'm not crazy on uh, that SNL appearance. I don't need SNL appearance was where she just becomes Lady Gaga for five minutes. Sam Elliott felt like kind of a, not a weird character. He's just so old. Not stand for you shitting on (laughs) Sam Elliott. I like Sam Elliott, but it's, it's strange that he's like, I'm your older brother. And I'm like, you look 30 years old. You have a brother that's 15 (laughs) years younger than you. I know, but even then it's still egregious. I'm not that old yet. (laughs) And don't start comparing Alex to Bradley Cooper. We don't even get in a big head. He's like your that. Bradley Cooper. You're his Sam Elliott. So oh. at least I'm your Bradley you're, Cooper. You're his. You're Sam Elliott without the sweet mustache. What a bummer. I'm gonna get one because that's sixty percent of Sam Elliott. <laughs> um, but yeah, a little modern things like the dad. I could have done with a little less of him. Um, Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah. I liked. I, I, I thought didn't he was, mind him, but it was just it was a lot. I thought of, he like, was subtle enough. He worked in the scenes when he's re- when he really wants to go beat the shit out of Bradley Cooper in that shower. Oh yeah, that's that's the one scene where you're kind of like, oh yeah, because like a, fucking yeah, embarrass my daughter like oh, that in that moment too. It's it's one like I have trouble watching episodes. Of Which Kirk the movies, Kirk. the previous movies, he just kind of gets drunk and like stumbles around stage. There's nothing like him literally pissing himself in a suit on stage. I mean, he stints like he spends like three minutes of it slumped over on the floor stairs next to him. Yeah. Like. Oh, that's already so bad. But I, I have trouble watching some episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm because Larry David does stuff that's so cringy mm-hmm. that I have to like turn yeah. away. I had to fast forward through part of it. I was like, I can't watch him just be this much because it goes on for like three or four. What's minutes. more brutal to watch that or the birth in Roma? 
Which I, I, I had to look away at. So when they actually I were watched, like, do you want to hold the baby? I was like, I can't. Oh, and it just I flops can't. over. And I like, didn't see it. I was like, I can't no, do this. There's no weight to it at all. And I'm like, why would you ask? Like, I get why you'd ask it, but why can't you hand it to her in a dignified... He basically like hands it like leg first. So the baby's just like dangling. I didn't watch it either. Why could you <laughs> swaddle it first? I didn't, wa- I didn't watch it. I couldn't. I didn't have it in me. <laughs> Because uh, no, when he gave it birth, it was obviously this like dead prosthetic thing. I was like, oh, just take it away. Oh, the entire time. There's it's not, clearly been dead for hours, if not days. There's not a moment in the movie where I thought she was going to give birth to that baby. No. Family. I was like, every every fiber. I was almost like, sort of glad. When the, I was kind of glad when the baby died, too. But I didn't like actually watching her give birth to a dead baby. Oof. Yeah. Uh, no, but I'd prob- say that's worse than Bradley Cooper. I'd probably watch that over Bradley Cooper. <laughs> really? I really that sort of stuff like that's kind of like social anxiety of like watching somebody embarrass themselves on a stage like that is hard. As I mentioned before, as time goes on, I become more and more emotionally dead to real stuff. But but then like the weird silly stuff, I'm like, no, put that count on the line, you bitch. <laughs> he wants to say I love you. Oh my god, you're not really upset about that, <laughs> no. are you? <laughs> no. Uh, but so the cat was such a small part of the movie. There was like five of them. God damn it. <laughs> you give them all the respect. Romeo, Alfredo, Romeo 2. I think Juliet was probably... I had to name some of them because <laughs> they didn't give it in the movie or the cliff notes. Um, but I, I really like Bradley Cooper in it. Uh, and I thought that a lot of the movie kind of hung on how he carries those last couple scenes. There's a lot of like real weight to it. And I think for a first-time director, he did an incredible job. I think a lot of the scenes are... Yeah, I hadn't shot. realized he directed it, too. Uh, acts fantastic. Gets a great performance out of her. Like, if you told me before, like, Lady Gaga plays lead a romantic comedy, I would have assumed it's like, oh, Rebel Wilson stars in it, right? Or something like that. But, you know, caking her off the makeup, you're like, oh, I really could see why people would think you're kind of an unattractive person. Not in, like, a negative... Like incendiary. Women. Well, they recycled a lot of the nose jokes from the Barbara Streisand one. Yeah, well, let's be fair. Not off point. Yeah, I mean, they did get somebody with a bit of a honker as well. <laughs> um, I I liked her performance. To me, it felt like it was just Lady Gaga, though. It was like this is who you were before you were a star, and then you became a star, and then you basically gave us like a Lady Gaga performance on SNL. The the alley stuff I didn't quite buy into in the same way. I felt like that character would have fought more against it, but I guess she's just such a young kind of like, kind of almost child, like young adult going into this role that she's yeah. kind of welcoming to everything. But she, the way her character was kind of presented earlier really created this idea that she wasn't going to be all about that. Like well, the, when she, the first scene of her in that bar where he's just like, hey, you know, uh, uh, take Toots over there, take a picture. And she just like leans back and clocks the guy. Yeah. I was like, oh, this character's got some fucking bite to her. I kind of dig that. Uh, and I like that there was like a level of commentary in the movie about how celebrities are treated. Yeah, I would agree. I think that the previous incarnations all used a girl that was probably like in her early twenties to play it, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't, I don't think they ever named, said how old she was supposed to be, but I assume probably late twenties, maybe 20s, even thirty. I would imagine. Um, so it, it shouldn't have been as naive a young person as it went in. She, it did seem like she changed. And I almost agreed with Bradley Cooper when he kind of shit on her for that, like, oh, your ass and that jeans song that oh, she yeah, did I, on SNL. I mean, obviously, he did it much more drunkenly and inappropriate, but I kind of agreed with him at that point that, like, is this the music like, you want to do? It didn't yeah. seem like it when we met. But again, like, again, it plays into, like, how just unlikable the duty is that even when he has a point that you're like, this would be interesting. About. You're still making he it hard to get like, behind. Yeah. He'd be like, look at you, you ugly bitch, singing about songs about asses and jeans. Like you got one. washing vodka into the tub. Like, Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do enjoy it. I just, I would say that 
to me, if maybe this movie wasn't this year, maybe I'd have a higher opinion of Bohemian Rhapsody, but because the two of them have a lot of, like, tonal similar... Not tonal, but... Themes, yeah. Yeah, themes. I was like, oh, this one does what I like a lot more, as the other one just didn't. Mm-hmm. A star is born, so one can die. I feel like is was the... I wonder if that was, like, the second half of the original title, and they're like, eh, this gives a little too much away. Well, I mean... A star is born a star, and one dies. Bradley Cooper was already a star, though. That's what but it, and one dies by the end. Yeah. So you get to see one born, one die. Um, yeah, a, a decent movie, definitely. If I'd have liked any of the songs, maybe I would have enjoyed this more. But um, I found myself like really wanting to fast forward through a lot of the music. And uh, w- really couldn't wait to turn it off during the last song. Which I don't think is the feeling you were supposed to feel. No, that's fair. <laughs> Alright, let's. Uh, do you want to do picks then? you want to start? Yeah, let's, uh, let's start Best Actor. Um, I am torn between my reasonable picks, which are, are Viggo Mortensen or Rami, uh, and a, an outsider third pick of Willem Dafoe, which I really would You want to believe. Yeah, and it's like, as I pick it, it's like, why don't I just fucking turn on Holmes and Watson now? <laughs> um, do you have any strong feelings either way? Uh, Vigo I'm, or... I'm gonna... So if you asked me which one I'd enjoy more, I'd say Viggo Morrison, but I think... Because there's almost always one category where the Oscars have an opportunity to do something good and they go with the most limp dick pick because it's just what made, like, what kind of put the most money into it, and I think it's going to be Rami Malek. Not that I don't think his Freddie Mercury's bad, but I, I don't know if it's the best content, like, the best... Like, I would say I'd like Bradley Cooper's performance better than his. Mm-hmm. I could see that. The, fi- um, the fake teeth really threw me out, but I, I think that's who's going to win. And I think that's something you could have just left out of the movie. Like, we didn't need the explanation of the teeth. And you didn't even give him, like... You gave him straight teeth, like, mm-hmm. across the entire mouth. And his real mouth was just a fucking British train wreck. Yeah. Um. So I don't know why you just didn't leave that out. All right, I'm going to go Vigo Mortensen then, because I, I don't think... I'm assuming both of us are going Glenn Close for Best Actress. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's I think there's a real chance that <coughs> excuse me the um, the actress from Roma could potentially and neither of us saw favorite, so neither of us can pick that. I yeah. think that's the other big front runner. So, but I just I I not only do I think she'll get it, uh, I just loved her performance so much that I have I doesn't have one I believe, which is shocking. I thought she would have won some. some she might have gotten Best Supporting. But for, I made me mixing her up with... Was like, she in Devil Wears Prada? Yeah. Was she the boss? She might have a Best Supporting. For outfit. Devil Wears Prada? I thought. Was well, that an Academy-dominated movie? I think she was Academy-nominated. Eh, mm-hmm. Let me see. We're about to figure this out. Uh, but I, I would just say that she's so exquisite. As I said, I, I She's felt, never won. No. I felt shameless. Nominated by, seven times. By the end of the movie, I felt shameless at how much I loved her. I was like, this is transcendent. This is... Maybe the best performance I've like of subtlety that I've seen an actress in in decades. Like I'm just I'm sitting there like gushing over it. Whereas going into that movie, I couldn't have given a fuck about Glenn Close. Never. She's been nominated. I was like, isn't she gonna show up in the Guardians movies again? Nominated seven times, never won. She is seventy years old. Uh, World scoring to Garp, The Big Chill, The Natural, Fatal Attraction, Dangerous Liaisons, Albert Knobs. 
never won a single time, has lost to Meryl Streep twice. I was going to say, I feel like there's a lot of times where she's up against Meryl Streep, and Meryl Streep is like a fucking juggernaut of acting. I think she's primed to win it, so I think this is kind of a no-brainer. And I do agree. It it is an amazing performance. Uh, A movie I thought was going to be a little bit more complicated than it was, but I I still enjoyed quite a bit. But yeah, I I would say Glenn Close is kind of the no-brainer pick for this one. (laughs) Especially since neither of us saw favorites. No. Uh, which again, I, I'm very sorry about it. My my dark horse pick would have been like, because by my scenario, if they give best actor to Vigo Mortensen, they might not want to give best actress to a, a white woman. Just I don't think are there any black women who are up? No, but the girl from Roma is. I out. mean, she's yeah. Um, so maybe that would be like your cool outsider pick, where it, I think so. But there's a part of me that just thinks of her a lot like the uh, Nigerian guy from Captain Phillips. Where they gave him a nomination, but there really wasn't a huge realistic chance of him winning. Because no, I was a Somalian guy. guy. Wasn't he Nigerian? That's Somalian, I guess. Somalian pirates. Yeah. That's right. Um, you weren't there. I, I understand. <laughs> you were on the ship with him. You were like Captain Phillips. Watch out! <laughs> Tackled I, him. Uh, but no, that was I am DeMichael now. <laughs> that was another guy where I feel like they they gave a nomination, but it was like the realistic chance because it was again. I think that like no acting experience. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think there's a realistic shot. No, and if you're like, well, only one white person can get the best the best actor nomination, are you really going to let Vigo Mortensen walk away with it and not sacrifice him and give it to Glenn Close? Yeah. Uh, and then Best Picture, uh, if The Gift were nominated, I think it would have been, or The Wife, rather, I think would have been a possible contender, but without it, I, it just, I can't see anything but Roma winning. Hmm. It's right up the Academy's alley. Like, it's the only movie that feels like it deals, like, in a very intimate setting with, like, touchy topics. Like, it's not too feel-good like the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's... A, it's a beautiful movie. Netflix is going to want to say they have an Academy Award, Best Picture nominated and winning movie. So I guarantee they're putting a shit ton of money into promoting it for the the Academy winners. I, I think it's 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 the only realistic option in my mind. The only thing that holds it back for me is I could see the Academy like, well, we let Netflix in the gate, but let's not give them the, the crown right away. Um, I have Green Book, Bohemian Rhapsody, Aroma. I'm going to throw Bohemian Rhapsody out just because that implies some credit to, what's his name, Brian Singer? Yeah, I, I think there's not a chance that's happening. And even that, it feels like that's like voting La La Land, Best Picture, where you're just like, oh, come on, man. You can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think Green Book. I, I would agree. I think Roma's the, the smart pick, even though it didn't get any, either of the Golden Globe picks, but I think you're right. But there's I, so much about, like, money when it comes to the Oscars, and I think mm-hmm. Netflix, I mean, they have enough fucking money to put out, like, seven new shows a week. I feel like they have enough money to be like, hey, give us this, because they're yeah. like, once we have a Best Picture winner, people are going to be flocking. They don't have to go to the movie theater to see this if they didn't see it. They're all just going to go on to Netflix, seven ninety nine, boom, subscription, then we got them hooked. Then boom, Iron Fist Season 2. Check it out. Finally. <laughs> I heard it was amazing. I didn't, but... He comes out with guns at the end. What? Why would he have guns? It seems interesting. The whole character's gimmick is punching in martial arts, but all right. Um, yeah, I got to go with Roma, too. So it's all going to boil down to who wins best Oscar. Which I believe was last year as well, when it was between Gary Oldman and... I forget who you picked. Uh, I don't remember either, to be honest with you. Didn't we pick different movies? I picked three billboards. Did you? Three billboards win? 
No, Shape of Water won. But I don't yeah, think... Yeah, I don't think either of us Oh, won. so we both lost on that one. I think we one. both lost on that, and we both picked Frances McDormand to win Best Actress. Um... I just remember it came, I remember waking up the next day to be like, who won Best Actor? Who won Best Actor? Gary Oldman, woohoo! Enjoy Transformers, loser! Uh, I think I picked... Oops. I gotta do nominees. <laughs> really, Google? They know I might have gone with the safe bet of Daniel Day-Lewis. I think that was it. Yeah, you yeah. thought they'd give it to him on the way out. Even though I was not thrilled with that movie, I was well, like... Well, that's, that's what kind of burnt... Because I, I liked Gary Oldman, and I... I I picked him, but I'm doing the opposite this year, so maybe that's going to burn me on it. So we'll see. So what are the uh, consequences? So I think it should still be you have to watch three movies. Okay. And we already agreed on Holmes and Watson, but I'm kind of contemplating whether or not, because I think the other ones were Happy Time Murders. I think Gotti should be in there. Gotti, Gotti definitely can. I only ask this because every so often I'll go through Netflix, and I will see an absolute horseshit of a movie. And think like, oh, Paddleton? God, I don't want to watch this now. Uh, let me see if this is still on there. There's a movie that Larry David did. Uh, let me see here. Maybe they, oh, do they still have it? God, I hope so. Um, let me see if I can find the name of it. If you wanna, if you wanna vamp right now on that uh, stuff. While you were watching Sour Grapes, he had no. one about like a vineyard or something that was terrible. No, this is of. Silver Linings Playbook, Christopher. <coughs> um, Soloist? Oh, no, I remember it. Uh, Ballad of what? Buster Scruggs should have been nominated for something. I am kind of disappointed that didn't get in there, but whatever. Netflix, Roma's just in there trying to get the door open. they take it off there's a movie called Whatever Works and it's a it's a romantic comedy with Larry David and like some 20 year old uh, southern chick who like just washes up in New York and Larry David talks to the camera at the start of the movie as like hey that's me Larry David you're about to go on a crazy I watched like the first like 15 minutes I was like this is an absolute turn it sounds like an awful idea that Woody Allen has done several times before. Yeah. But without the, I guess... Without the... Quote-unquote quality nuance, of a Woody Allen movie. Without the novelty of it having never been done. Uh, let's see. Uh, let me see if I can find a synopsis of this. <coughs> um, I don't know. If you can find a trailer and it, it makes me cringe that much, I'd consider it. But I, I feel like the rule should be something that's come out this year. I mean, we definitely will. I think you'll still watch Holmes and Watson. I'm not watching more than three. God damn I mean, it. Holmes and Watson. Um, Gotti. Gotti. And then... If this one doesn't work, you can do Happy Time Murders, but I'm telling you, Happy Time Murders... Like, I think the better one would be Wrinkle in Time. I don't think it's going to be that bad. It's It looked that bad. Let's see here. Excuse me, uh... Uh, Get out of here, Imagine Dragons. Yeah, nobody likes you. Have you heard the the newest uh, Legion of Skanks? No, I don't think so. Lewis gets like hammered and is like, you know what? We're all going to play uh, Quiplash. Oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. It, oh, they're shitting on him the entire time. Because there's just so much silence during it. Yeah, it's not. Right off, okay? 
I'm not a likable guy. Checkmate, you little putter. Hey. I was considered for a Nobel Prize in physics. I didn't get it. Mom, that means talking to himself. Who are you, Justin? This is not the feel-good movie. Ellen Clayhorn's still working. Good for her. Actually. <laughs> or whenever this was. It's hard to tell. Larry David's look. Not years ago, I think. Larry David's looked pretty old for a long time. Oh, yeah. I think he looked like this when Seinfeld was on. I think I may have actually seen a decent chunk of this. It's pretty good already. I almost want just for how disappointed you'll be with Larry David at the end of it. Like, what was worth this? I don't know if I can be disappointed. I think my my hopes could only be raised by actually seeing it because this looks terrible. I mean, this looks like every Woody Allen movie I had no interest in seeing. And a shittier version of it. Yeah. Oh, God. How long is this trailer? It's like me watching Roma again. Like, oh, oh God, wow. how much longer is in this? You got Ed Begley Jr. Obviously. Movie. Fucking obviously. Written and directed by Woody Allen. Wait, you just became too well-known as a pedophile? You couldn't actually be in it yourself? I guess so. Why is he third? So is it not about him hooking up with this girl? I, I think just, that's how it starts. A Woody Allen movie always ends up hook, with him hooking up with a girl that's way out of his league because that's the only reality he knows. I wouldn't be shocked if that's how it ends. That's how it seemed to set itself up because she just like has she just shows up like destitute outside of his house and is like, "Hey, can I just room here?" And you have to assume the moment you have like a single guy with like a hot chick who starts yeah. kind of relying on him that it's going to end in that. I like how no version of Woody Allen ever thought, like, this is unrealistic, where, like, every movie I end up with a much younger, hotter girl. Where it's like, why would I make a movie where I didn't end up with a much younger, hotter girl? I mean, I guess if that's your reality, that's what you're going to do. Uh, yeah, if you want, we can do that instead. I um, just think it's going to make for a more interesting discussion. Than instead of the third movie. I've also already seen, like... 40 minutes of Happy Time Murder. So there's a large part where my brain can click off and I can still tell you, like, what's happening. Okay. Um, yeah, we can do that. So... Okay. So Gotti, whatever works, and Holmes and Watson. And the deciding factor on it is going to be whether Rami, Ra- Ra- Rami Malik or... Vigo Morrison wins best actor. On the offset chance neither of them wins, do we want... Oh, uh, it's... If, if it's We a both tie, only didn't see... Or no, I saw more because I saw so Eternity if Gate. If neither of them gets it, you would get the one. All right. So the odds so are ever in your favor. Man, thank God I saw it at Eternity's Gate. <laughs> I think you were above me by two. Because uh, I, we did... I didn't see Vice. Oh, okay. All right. But I think I missed Come four. Come on. And there were ten of them. Come on, Vigo or nobody. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to throw out there? Uh, check me out on Instagram, YouTube, Michael J. Lario, stand-up, Twitter, uh, this probably will go out, uh, in the next week, but it, the results probably won't come out until, honestly, the re- results might just get lumped into our, uh, pre-Game of Thrones podcast. Yeah. Which will most likely have Terry, and then she there can... There might be a Captain Marvel one, too. There could be. 
Or if it's just the Game of Thrones, pre-Game of Thrones one, it'll just be Terry shouting at us for not seeing favorite and calling us sexist pigs. Well, what do you gotta do? I yeah. like to think that Terry would love the the wife and would agree with my thoughts on it wholeheartedly. <laughs> Alright, that is gonna do it for the Super Layers Brothers podcast this week, everybody. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. Catch you next time. <laughs>